Hello, friends and enemies, and to all my friendly enemies. I'm Chelsea Nicole, and you're listening to The Slighted Show. This is my least favorite part, recording intros. Anyways, uh, (laughs) so today on the podcast, I am interviewing my baby bro, Eric Casey. So excited. And we talk about Slighted and our life stories, as well as then we get into his own personal life story and um, just his magic career. But before we jump into that, I want to give a little bit of life updates about myself personally. Um, I had a lot of plans uh, since Magic Life to have the podcast be uh, regular again, maybe once a month, uh, if possible, with a lot of leads um, with magicians that I want to interview. However, that did not pan out for a couple of reasons. So right after Magic Live, I moved to China. I had got a job teaching English and I was really, really excited because one of my dreams was to live abroad for a minimum of a year, if not longer. So I signed a year contract, moved to China, and when I got there, things went bad really fast. The guy that hired me completely lied about the city that I was going to be living in. So instead of living in Kunming, which is a pretty big city with a lot to offer, I was in a tiny town called Mengzi. Um, then he lied about the job I was going to be doing. He said I'd be teaching math <laughs> and um, maybe a couple English classes because he was saying that the idea was students wanted to learn English in other ways, like, for example, through math. So I was super excited about that. And then that did not pan out at all. No teaching math. And then not only that, he told me that you kind of ease your way into teaching. And then he gave me a full load plus overtime. So I was working an absurd amount of hours, a lot of days a week. I wasn't getting paid overtime, even though I was working over hours. I think I got maybe one overtime paycheck. But other, I mean, even so, you get paid next to nothing. I mean, it was a horrible ex- experience. I was constantly stressed out, anxious, and really quickly started dealing with a really bad anxiety and depression. And it just turned into survival mode for me because there was, they just threw so much at you. I mean, like, first of all, like I am in another country, I don't speak Chinese. So that was kind of hard to begin with. And they didn't really help as much as I thought they would have. So a lot of times I'm just like dealing with things alone without support. So I felt very depressed and isolated. And so the podcast was one of the last things I really was worrying about. So it was supposed to work there for an entire year, but um, I just couldn't take it anymore. I was losing a ton of weight. And by the end of it, I think I lost like 10 or more pounds and I'm already underweight. So it was bad. So after four months, I quit and I traveled around Southeast Asia for about a month. And now I'm currently living in Hanoi. I'm just getting some podcasts finished now. And then I will actually be gone February 16th to April 9th. And I will be hiking the Shikoku Trail. Super stoked about that. So it's 50 days. And in 50 days, I will cover 450 miles. And I will visit 88 Buddhist temples throughout um, Shikoku Island. And I will be living out of a backpack and camping and um, just living kind of like 
from day to day without much, um, you know, use of technology and things like that. So that's just a little life date up, um, life update about me. Let's go ahead and jump into the interview with my brother, Eric Casey. All right. You ready to do this? You ready to rock? Yeah, I'm good. Sweet. Me too. Yeah. All right. So this is, this is cool. This is the first time I've, uh, I've, uh, interviewed a relative, let alone my brother. So I'm excited. Yeah. (laughs) And not only that, we both founded Slighted together. So, so. Yeah. Uh. It's pretty pretty interesting right now. I know to it's a, it's be being interviewed on a podcast that I helped start. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's so funny because like I go into every single interview like totally surprised by all the answers. And I'm about to ask you questions where I know all the answers to pretty much. I think we'll see if you surprise me. Yeah, yeah. I, I hope I don't though. To be honest. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Um. Well. So usually I start with the life story, but I actually think. It'd be fun to start with how Slighted got started, and okay. I was, I was legitimately thinking about that the other day, and I'm actually kind of hazy on a lot of the details, and I'm hoping you remember a lot more about Slighted. Oh yeah, like I remember we got the idea at Magic Live 2016. Is that right? Uh, did you say 2016? Yeah, I think it's 2016. Is that? Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Because we launched in 2017, like January 1st, 2017. Yeah. So you, I want to hear it, though, from your perspective, and I'll chime in from time to time, but tell me how the idea came about and just just the whole very beginning, because I don't think we've talked about this in forever, so I like the idea. It's been two years since the, almost two years since the inception of the idea of Slighted. No, three years. Yeah. I can't do math. It's 2019. <laughs> Oh man! Oh my God! Is it? Yeah, three? it's three. Oh, it's so weird. I totally forgot. <laughs> what a what a strange thing too, though. To like, I feel like Slide has just gone so back and forth, being like prominent and existing, and then just being like dead in the water for a bit, and then being like, ah, let's do it again. Yeah, let's see what happens. Yeah, for sure. And it we'll definitely uh, get to the dead in the water part because we'll both have stuff to talk about there. But let's step. Let's start with the yeah, the yeah. beginning and of the idea. Uh, yeah, so as I recall, it was me, you, and Jay Tamat all sitting together at, in the showroom at the Orleans. Yeah. Um, and, uh, Stan Allen, which I still, is like, looking back on it now, is like one of the funniest moments, but it was just, uh, came out with this, like, huge presentation, getting everyone super hyped for the presentation. Yes! Oh, uh, yeah! Just this huge... Yeah, it's just this huge mystery, and like everyone's like so excited I to find out what the forgot. the answer to the mystery is gonna. Yeah, and we were yeah the presentate it was nuts, and we were and we were working Magic Live, and even though we were working, we Katie was like, "We're not, we I can't, no you're not gonna know." It's a total. You even you're gonna be surprised, yeah. and we had I I forgot, but yeah, you're right. Oh yeah, we went in totally blind, and uh, were we in the first showing? So yeah, okay. yeah. that's what I thought. Uh, so we go to this thing and we're trying to find out like what's about to happen. And, uh, Stan comes out, gets everyone hyped for this (laughs) announcement. And then he drops this announcement on us and it is magic magazine showing up. And everyone's like, wait, hold up. That's not fun. We're not happy about this. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, and it was just like, I've never seen a shift of feelings so quick in a room. Yeah. 
from this like buzz of excitement to like an instant like a mix of sad a mix of confusion a mix of uh like it's just like the air was sucked out of the room as everyone was like is this a prank like we don't really get the joke yet what's happening then stan kept talking about how they're shifting to magic legacy which is going to be the last 12 issues ever of magic magazine yeah and that's when people started realizing this is not a joke yeah like this isn't a prank magic magazine is actually dead uh and so that was that was pretty funny like i mean it was not funny at all then but like looking at it now i'm like that's hilarious yeah. like what a way to really approach that situation <laughs> yeah it was i love of, it it <laughs> like, was great like what a memorable thing to get everyone hyped and be like yep we're killing this thing that y'all have loved for 20 years and everyone's like hold up wait. what <laughs> uh so so then it was me, you, and Jay afterwards talked about the whole situation and just kind of were processing it, being like, this is absurd. Like, we can't believe this is happening because we never saw that coming. And, and also, like, what? Well, a part, like, are you going to talk about how, why? Like, because I think part of Slighted was why Stan was ending yeah. Magic, uh, Magic Man. Get oh, okay. I'm just going to keep interrupting you. Go ahead. <laughs> um, And so... It, yeah, so we talked about it, processed it, and uh, yeah, the whole I thing was, you know, kind of the print media was on its way out, mm-hmm. which has been true since like 2005. Mm-hmm. Uh, print media has just been dying. And so we decided, me, you, and Jay, we're like, wait a minute, we're all tech savvy. We kind of know what we're doing. We all have skills that complement each other's skills. Right. How about we make our own thing? Uh, we didn't have a name at all. Slided was not a thing that right. existed, or like that name didn't exist for a long time. We started, but the concept, with magic, mag- connection, magic connection. I think. Yeah. What a horrible name. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, and then, uh, so we just kind of had this idea, this concept of bringing like a digital magazine that was like a video show and a, a podcast mm-hmm. and articles. Mm-hmm. And kind of getting all of it under one platform. Right. Because, like, there are digital magazines that exist. There are video shows that exist. There are podcasts that exist. But no one has it all kind of hosted on one platform. Right. So that was our idea, to just do all of it. Right. Um, and I don't know, how much more do you want to go into the history of Slided? Like, the meetings we had with Jay and um, conceptualizing the name and logo and all that, I, too? I or? think so. Like, yeah. It's a long story. Yeah, I guess it's kind of a long story. I, I like, I mean, we can... We can do some, maybe some more of the highlights. We don't have to go into too much detail. But yeah, we I remember we were sitting down processing it and we get that idea and we we decided to run with it that day, though, because I was going around was taking photos. Yeah, that. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. We started an Instagram account. I mean, it was like, let's do it. That was all happened that night. Yeah, because I remember we went to Jay's room. In his hotel room, yeah. brought his computer up and started building accounts. We built yeah the Instagram Instagram account and the Facebook page that night, yeah. Um, and then started getting followers right then because of yeah your photography that you were doing. And I think I I like looking back now. I I it's so interesting to see just our thought process then because I think we were a little. I mean, we were a little naive of, like, it just felt like it was going to be so easy. I mean, I knew it was going to be hard. Oh, but, my God, like, yeah. we were, like... Oh, yeah, in my head, I was like, we could do this. Yeah. No problem. I know how to make videos. 
Yeah. Turns out churning out content often is an impossible task. Yeah, exactly. It's so hard. And, you know, which to be honest, I think it was kind of, it's like a double-edged sword, but I think having that ego in some ways helps because it, it, we just did it. And I don't think if we had that over, like we had overconfidence, it was a little bit of overconfidence, but if we didn't have the overconfidence, we would never have even tried. It would have just been like, you know, this is a great idea and let's just talk about it and then let's walk away. And so I'm kind of happy that we've made a lot of mistakes and stuff because we, we, or else we wouldn't have done it. Like, it's like, it was, you know, kind of like, I think the only way, right? Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, I would say it was very Kanye of us. Yeah, it was. Just to <laughs> outright believe in ourselves to no end to be like, this is possible. We'll do it. And yeah, we. I mean, we did it. We've done it. Yeah. It's slow going, but it exists. Exactly. So. I think it's just now that we're now we're starting to really figure out what slide it is. I think we didn't. I think we had an idea of what it was going to be, and I think it's totally changed in the th- past three years, which is awesome. I like that. Um, so yeah. we first get it off the ground. We start doing some meetings with Jay for, because we, we had made a decision pretty early on to launch January 1st would be the official launch date. I'm pretty sure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That was it. And so between mi- the middle of August to January 1st, we would drive to St. Augustine. So that's in between. Because he lives in Daytona. Yeah, you're in Daytona. And so St. Augustine... Yeah, to have meetings. Yeah, it was in between Jacksonville and and yeah. um, Daytona. And I think, I mean, even before we launched, Jay was Jay started, you know, saying, like, this is... I mean, you tell... I mean, what do you... I mean, he realized, like, it was a little bit too much time for him to put in, right? Something along that lines. Yeah, he's probably the smartest one of us. <laughs> Yeah. Just be like, I'm backing out. Like, yeah. well, he, I mean, yeah, he, once he realized the scope of it way before we realized the scope of it. Yeah. And he had his own business he was running as a realtor. Yeah, that too. Not that we don't also do jobs on the side, but yeah. So he backed out. We launched January 1st. So talk about. Can we talk about the logo? Yes. Let's talk about. Oh, yeah. The, we should talk about the logo and the name and all that. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, I guess the name is first before the logo. Mm-hmm. But I feel like there's not much to talk about other than we all had really bad ideas, and then you said slided, and we all were like, whoa, that's good. And then the domain name existed, and we're like, that's even better. I know, yeah, that all worked out. I was, I mean, I was kind of basing my ideas off of, like, I was looking at all the, like, newer yeah, the, media. The single word. Like, it was, like, yeah. Gawker, Vox, and then I saw Slate, and I was like, Slate, wait sleight of hand slighted and then i was like oh that's it yeah so talk yeah tell me about the logo getting the logo oh i now so, i know what you're because i was like i don't remember the story but yeah. i'm starting to remember so we hired the logo designer that did the pinnacle spades logo um and he's unbelievable uh if anyone wants his contact info hit me up i love giving him work because he's so good at what he does but uh we hired him and he made us i think five different drafts uh all had these like very modern artistic um almost hipster like feels that like i loved and then there's like one that was like this is so dumb looking um yeah and we all kind of agreed on this like very like 1920s s right hand-drawn beautiful logo he 
we had, had him make some changes and they fully developed it to this beautiful logo. That's and right. And I, I don't honestly remember what happened. I... But I do remember it was like right when we like had it finished. We were like, let's go with the dumb one. Well, I, I mean, there was like a couple things that happened because we were all like against it. But I thought you were the first. It was either you or Jay was the first one that was like, wait, actually, I think this other one that we all thought looked so stupid when we initially so saw goofy, it. But it's so perfect. Yeah, it is. But it was like someone was the first person to say, actually, I think we should go with this. And then we're like, maybe we should just start showing people. Because I remember I was hanging out. I was yeah. in Colorado staying with a friend that's a rock climber. So nothing to do with magic. And I was like, look at these logos. What do you think? And she immediately pointed at the one that we thought was goofy looking. It was like that one. And I was like, seriously? And it just started, like, everyone was drawn to it. And then I think that just changed our perception. We're like, oh, wait, this is better because it's so unique. Like, it stands out. Like, it's... It, yeah, yeah. It really... It... The logo is like nothing I've ever seen. Yeah. It's so strange looking. Yeah. And yeah, now to this day, thank God we went with this regular slided logo that we have now. It is awesome. Yeah. And yeah, it really stands out and kind of feels like modern, but like modern in a way that I feel like in 10, 20 years, it'll still be a unique modern logo. Right. And I kind of like that we didn't go with the 1920s look because it seems a little bit like classic magic style almost like. Like, yeah, the whole, yeah, like, exactly. wearing, like, a suit and tie. Not that there's anything wrong with that. For people that do that, sorry. Um, but, like, magic's kind of moving away from that. And there's more people's, like, personality coming out. And I think we were at first yeah. trying to stick to the classic. And then we were like, no, this is actually really perfect because it's so unique. And it just kind of, like, catches your eye because it's just so different. Which, yeah. Yeah. Just to kind of counterpoint what you said, just for a second. Yeah, go ahead. I wouldn't say magic is moving away from that. I'd say magic's just becoming more accessible to everyone else. Mm, okay. That's fair. So it's like people performing in... I still perform in a suit and tie when the client asks for it. I don't mind. Yeah. Uh, obviously, I don't... I would rather just dress how I want to dress because it's me. But yeah, I would say it's not moving away from it. But magic's just so much more accessible mm-hmm. than it's ever been in the history of magic. Well, I kind of... But it does seem like it's moving away from it because I think there's certain people... That once they've developed their, I guess, personality on stage, like, they're not ever going to... Like, there's certain people that, like, they're ne- you're never going to see them in a suit and tie, right? I mean, no matter who hires them, because they're... You're hired... Because you're... Okay. Uh, maybe. If the client pays enough, I feel like any magician would be like, well, all right. Hmm. I'll put on a suit and tie for that. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know, but okay. Maybe. <laughs> or they'll just d- deny the opportunity to perform, which is absurd in my head. But then again, you know... There's other people making it way bigger than me, yeah. so I guess people can turn down clients. Yeah, definitely. So, okay, so we get slided off the ground. Um, t- talk a little more about that. We've we've launched. We well, I think when we launched January 1st, we had a couple podcasts already done and a couple videos maybe? Yeah, we had some video interviews done and some podcasts done yeah. with some people uh, by yeah. that time. Um. Well, I don't know, man. The launch went okay. We had content ready to go because we had backlogged content, which was smart. Uh, And then it was like when we ran out of backlog content, then it was like keeping up with our own schedule that we had deemed already. And we had like created a schedule where there's, it's almost like weekly content. Um, And I think we made it to like six months. And I was like, oh, wow. 
no. I can't keep up with this. Also, do we do we cuss on the podcast yeah. now? I don't remember that. I've always allowed for it. Okay, I almost said, oh shit, and I was like, you I don't know if I can say, say that. I'm so. just going to beep it out, just kidding. <laughs> I'm going to put cool. random beeps when you don't cuss. <laughs> That's fun. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, yeah, so I think it was, I, but I don't really know, like, what more of the story people might find, like, truly interesting other than, I wouldn't, I don't know if I'd call it us failing, we, but more like. Well, Stop. yeah, it's, I I mean, it's like a mixture of, yeah, I don't know if failing's the right word, but it was, like. Yeah, I feel like it'd be failing if, like, slighted just didn't exist anymore, which is, that's just a, a name I will never give up. I will always hold on to the slighted name. Even if this ends for, like, five years, I, it will always come back in my, yeah. in my head. It'll yeah. always come back, because it's just too No, I agree. I think it's important to all of us, and it kind of, you know, you and I, like, got the content ready and then we included Sebastian in it because you and Sebastian were doing the video show which video, which that's coming back awesome does when but it's coming when. back <laughs> but Sebastian is good to start filming again which I'm sure we'll get into that right. story at some point in this podcast so and but. I mean that but that added a lot of stress because it was in order to film with Sebastian he lives in Orlando so it's a two-hour drive so and I it yeah. felt which we could film in Jacksonville, but it was just he had, he had access yeah. to a full featured studio, which was like, yeah, we're going right. to go film there. And so it was just been, so it was like a lot of, but even if he came to us, I mean, it was still, it's a lot of driving regardless because of the two hour drive. And oh yeah, you guys oh, have yeah. different schedules, different times you're doing shows or jobs. And yeah. And the moment I, I mean, I remember when I first ran out of content with the podcast, you know, you start reaching out to magicians and then it's like sometimes schedules don't match up and you know it was getting really hard and um you start i i don't i'm sure this is true for you but i think when i started the podcast i was like i'll just interview people but you have to do things like an intro and outro and develop your own like unique voice and personality and that's really hard so you know i was just like oh i can totally do this and then it i started realizing like it this is a lot harder than i thought and i'm a little bit like embarrassed like i'm a little like insecure and that anxiety was preventing me from putting myself out there like because it's like i had this expectation and i wasn't meeting my own expectation so um that's yeah totally know that feeling i think it took us like three full slided shows for probably both mm-hmm. of us to get like kind of comfortable just talking in front of the camera and like acting like we belong right. there uh right very much like that imposter syndrome thing i don't know if you know what that is where you're doing something and yeah. then you're like i, I don't yeah. i don't belong here like th- this is wrong which and i mean i think what's been really helpful is interviewing magicians because every magician i've interviewed when they talk about the early stages of their career of developing where they are now it's like you have to do so many shows like hundreds of shows before you finally like, oh, this is what this is. And so we're kind of like really publicly putting stuff online, thinking we knew what this is. And now three years later, we're like, I think we're starting to figure out what it actually is to an extent, you know? And like, I need to do so many more interviews before I think I'll be like, yeah, "Yeah, I got this, which I'm now finally real, like being okay with that. Like being okay with I'm like, this is still hard for me, which is fine, you know? But it took a while for me to just accept that part. So, okay, so we got, well, I guess we can fast forward a little bit. We got, um, got the video show, the, po- yeah, so we kind of, when did we, 
I'm trying to think of timeline now of how things started playing out. What what do you what happened next? Um, Sebastian and I went on a lecture tour. Mm-hmm. In that we just weren't producing content then because that was way too much to tack on to driving around the country and lecturing. Um, and then we got home and we didn't produce content because we decided we probably shouldn't hang out for at least a month because we had just spent so much time <laughs> in the car together. Uh, which we ended up breaking that rule like almost instantly. And there's a comedy show in Orlando that him and I went to and hung out all night and watched. And it was great. But, uh, and then it was like a week later, we then broke that rule again and went to Aussie Wind's workshop in New York. Um, yeah, so like we're not actually good at not hanging out with each other. We tend to do it a lot. And then after that, uh, if anyone's been really keeping up with our posts, Sebastian got brain cancer. So then that put a super halt on everything. And that was early last year. What do you remember the date? April. Okay. No, maybe it was May. Yeah, because April was the lecture tour. It was May, something. I don't remember exactly. May, twenty eighteen. Yeah, so. Is that right? Yeah, twenty eighteen. Okay. Uh, and so that stalled us. And uh, just if anyone hasn't been keeping up with us, I will just you know, just spoilers now. He doesn't have brain cancer anymore, and he's totally okay, and he's performing again, and we're going to start filming the show again. So there's that. Um, Yeah, and that happened May 2018. February 2018 was when I realized, like, I needed to get a divorce, and that was starting to happen. Like, from February until August, it was, like, that whole, like, long process of yeah. figuring things out and so that for me i just was like can't handle anything yeah, slighted so- right now and then and then after magic live i moved to boise idaho so i went from jacksonville florida to the other side of the country and was also trying to get myself that all figured out so i mean basically a whole year of just like figuring out like my life and that was the same thing with sebastian so it was like yeah, got the diagnosis, surgery treatment, and the whole nine yards. Also, another spoiler: he's now engaged as well. So, his life is on the up and up. Yeah, and I mean, and for you, I mean, I think work was kind of crazy for you, right, at that time. Uh, it was crazy-ish. Um, I'm trying to remember what I was doing. Was that when I started with Vanishing Ink? I don't know. I can't remember I think when it was that was before that. It might, uh, yeah, it doesn't, uh, that, that doesn't, that wasn't much, that was only three months, so, but, yeah, I can't really remember what I was doing for work then. Yeah, but basically all of our lives was just kind of like, everyone was but, dealing with their own stuff, and it was like, well. I think mine was the most chill life at the time, I, nothing was, I was, I was dealing with a best right. friend having brain cancer, and my sister going through a divorce, yeah. but <laughs> my life was actually pretty yeah. standard. Yeah, right. All right, so... Yeah, so that was slided in a nutshell. Uh, let's back up now and talk about oh, you. I don't, I don't love this Where part. Where were you uh, born? Where are you from? Born and raised and currently still in Jacksonville, Florida. Nice. And you, a lot of, you know, with some magicians, like, obviously, we talk a lot more about their life because if they get into magic later in life, and we'll get there. But you got into magic super young, right? 
Yeah, I was about uh, eight years old or so. Maybe nine. I'm not entirely sure. I feel like it was eight. I thought it was even younger. I thought it was like seven for some it reason. Might, it, might have been, it might have been seven as well. But I'm like starting to feel like, like, I just feel like seven is too young. Okay. And so something, I feel like I've said seven, but something in my head is just like, that's that's so young, man. It might have been eight. You were at SeaWorld, really right? I re- yeah. Oh, I remember the exact moment. Yeah. I don't remember well, the age. But I remember the picture of you and Josh, your best friend. No, no, no. That was a di- see, that was a different trip to SeaWorld. Oh, never mind. I stand corrected. It was like, y'all were real young. You can look at that picture. But still, yeah, but still, I think, I mean, I was like seven in that picture. I think it was maybe a year later. Maybe a year later. Yeah, let's talk about uh, that that moment. Of the, the first trick? Of, yes, of when you were like, when you first experienced magic and you just were like, yeah. I got to do this. So I'll, I'll go quick through it because I feel like it, it mirrors uh, damn near every magician on the mm-hmm. planet. Um, but with like one small thing that's different. Uh, so it was a table hopper at SeaWorld named Raphael. Uh, it kills me that I don't know his last name right now. Um, unfortunately he passed away in 2015, which I never got to actually meet him again. So it kind of sucked when I found that out. Um, but, uh, he performed three card money with aluminum cards. uh, And that's a really cool thing too. That's how I found out his name and the fact that he was kind of known in Orlando because he was the first one, from what I know, don't quote me on this, mm-hmm. uh, to use metal cards because he would perform outdoors. Oh. And if it got windy and the cards blew away, you're screwed. So yeah. he started making, he made his own metal versions uh, and then would attach a, uh, a dolphin to the center of one. And that's how he did it. My brain, I was, I guess, like a very arrogant child and just thought I could figure anything out. So he did metal three card money. So right away I was like, oh, it's magnets or something. He's like moving that dolphin around with magnets when he touches them and never considered that it was sleight of hand <laughs> then he did sponge rabbits and he did like basic transpositions with them and my head was like trying to get methods there uh and again sleight of hand is still not a concept in my young mind and then he put him in my hands and was like you know what happens when rabbits are together in the dark and i was like i'm eight man i don't know what you're talking about <laughs> It was like, they multiply. And I opened up my hands, there's like a million. <laughs> we all know the trick. Uh, and at that moment is when my little eight-year-old head shut down. And I was like, <laughs> that is impossible. There's no way that could happen. He put two in my hand. Now there's, it also, oh, I always thought it was like 50. I know now there's like 12. But still, like, like it was incomprehensible to me as a mm-hmm. kid. Uh, which is very frustrating. Um and I think that's what drives a lot of magicians to wanting to do magic as well is that level of like enjoyment, I think, is different. I enjoyed it, but uh, the idea of not knowing drove me up the wall. I was like, I have to understand this yeah. moment and why that moment happened. Um, and so I waited uh, until he was kind of alone to the side, resetting, probably tired of talking to people and talking to kids uh, and bummer for him. I was yeah. kind of, I just came running. Uh and so I came up and started pestering him. I was like, how'd you do this? How'd you do that? Oh, I got to know everything. And he did not waver. He didn't teach me anything. Good for him. And the only th- way to get me to shut up, though, is he wrote down two books and said, if you want to know how I did anything or want to learn, you'll get these books and study these books. And that was Mark Wilson's Cyclopedia of Magic and the Royal Road to Card Magic. That's awesome. And so, yeah, so then that's when I was with uh, Dad and at SeaWorld. And then I just 
lucky for the magician, my brain then switched and I was like, awesome, now I got another guy to pester. So I just started pestering dad and I was like, I have to get these books, I have to get these books, I have to get these books. And uh, and that's kind of how it started because uh, I'll, I'll never forget to go into like Barnes and Noble and like they just didn't have them in stock because they were really specific books. And so he put the order in for me and I'll like never forget. It was like a four day wait. In my head, it was like 30 weeks just like <laughs> waiting for those books to get there. And uh, bummer for an eight year old, those books are not written for my age at the time. Yeah. So right. I didn't understand anything. <laughs> and I think like back then too, growing up, like we really didn't have like good internet. No, yeah, we didn't. Uh, or even a, I don't even know if I had like a really like good computer at the time. I, I remember like we had that really old, like Windows 95 piece of junk. Yeah. So like I didn't have any resources, but now the library. Uh, so I just remember renting every single book at the library really just looking at the pictures, looking at pictures of illusions, pictures of card tricks, pictures of stuff, trying to read it. It never really made any sense to me, um, especially Royal Road. Like, that was such a, such an old book that is like, just not written in like modern way. And I think it was about maybe 10 or 11 years old, that thing started making sense. And I started connecting dots. Wow. And I started then like really practicing in my room and being like, I can do this. Cause I like, I don't, I, yeah, I really feel like from like eight eight to ten i don't think i ever did a single trick i, just I don't think so a ton I, of it yeah yeah i don't think it's funny because like my perspective is so different too because it's like no one in the family knew you were doing magic i think we had an idea because you would get the books but then you were always just studying completely by yourself and weren't really talking yeah. about it. i don't remember you even talking about it a whole lot so we were all like all right i guess maybe he's into it i don't really know yeah it wasn't until my first trick that was also i feel like no one like i think a lot of people don't get this and maybe i'm wrong but like i remember my first trick just being like wildly successful and <laughs> being like whoa do you remember your first awesome. trick was it the one i'm thinking of that freaked mom out or no uh, no 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 that was okay, very okay. soon after though okay tell uh, me the first trick actually that wasn't that soon that was a couple of years after first trick i just did the french drop i just did a coin trick on you guys made it disappear okay and that was it but like no one but again it was like that same idea that you're saying is like no one knew i was studying this stuff and practicing this stuff yeah so, so i just felt, came out of my room yeah and did it and everyone was like what the hell just happened yeah like, oh yeah like you know i'm four years and, older than you and i was like what like just completely confused yeah. especially when it's like your youngest sibling just blows your mind with something you're like how what's happening like i don't even think i had seen magic before that because I wasn't, I don't remember yeah. seeing the magic at SeaWorld. I don't think I was there for that. So, yeah, yeah no, I wasn't. Sure. And, yeah, that was, I think, I feel like my first experience with magic was with you. <laughs> so No, it was with Force Hendrix. You're right. Oh, my God, my first, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, man, your memory's good. Because I was, like, five. Yeah, I just, got, I just got coffee with him, like, two weeks ago. Oh, awesome. That's great. Yeah, also, side note, that was my first experience with magic, but I was, like, four, and no, you I were... don't really recollect anything. Maybe even younger. No, you no were idea. younger. I was super young. I, I was six, so you would have been... Two? That can't yeah. be right. I, I I have, like, images in my head. Well, no, I, I you know. weren't... I'm, I guarantee... No, you were super young. You wouldn't remember. Yeah. You probably just have recreated it, because we've all talked about it. So we have to just say that real quick, my first experience with magic was um, there was a bunch of adults at the house 
And this guy did a very simple magic trick, and I was, he was like, call me up as the ear, right? Yep, he would call me up as the assistant. Yeah. And he made, so a, he made a pencil disappear, and he just put it behind his ear. And so all the adults are laughing, but I'm like, what just happened? So I think my first experience with magic kind of wasn't great because I felt like I was the butt of a joke. So it wasn't, it was like something just disappeared. So at first I was like, that's so cool. But then everyone's laughing at me and I'm like, I don't really like this. Like, I don't, cause I don't think it was a good experience. Like, you know what I mean? You're like, okay. Like yeah. you immediately, I went immediately yeah. from being like, that was awesome to, I feel really stupid. And, and then I think he taught me how, but I was still like, I don't like this. I'm out. And then my it's second. It's such was, a strange style of magic right there where you make the audience member the butt of the joke but you're allowing you know 99 percent of everyone else to understand magic what, for a minute right. yeah which is like almost worth it but like the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few idea but then the idea of alienating someone i hate but i mean i still fall trapped and i do stuff I think like that still if i was day, an cause... adult or even older it would have been fine but being a six-year-old around a bunch of adults like that's like yeah of course you know you're still it's like hum- you know yeah exactly it's so, so it frustrating different. yeah so you do the coin yeah, trick man. and uh, which is great can you please tell please tell the story about you know exactly what story i want you to tell the whole thing yeah please man oh it's so good I I've never shared this with, like, the magic community. I know, before. but it, you weren't, like, nothing you did was wrong, and I think yeah, it's an awesome story. I was story. a kid. You were a kid. You didn't know anybody. I think I, think I was 14 at this time. So this I time... I thought you were younger. Uh, I don't think so. Okay. I don't think the timelines match up when this trick came out. Okay. Or, I don't know if the trick was even fully released yet, but... um, But we... So we had finally got, like, a good computer and, like, okay internet. And now that I've done a couple card tricks and coin tricks... uh. My brain was then like hardwired to being like, okay, everything is magic now. That's the only thing I care about is studying magic, learning magic. I wouldn't shut up about it. It's pretty bad. Um, and that would now allowed me to go online and like find, you know, magic forums, chat rooms, uh, things like that. Um, and uh, so I found one magic chat room. Uh, I don't remember what the name of it was called, but it was like... I think it's like through AOL and Messenger, and it was like mm-hmm. some room you could like log into and talk about stuff. And a guy then messaged me privately on there, and I don't know what I was talking about at the time, but something connected to that guy. It was like you seem like you know what's up. And maybe so he's and maybe because that, by him, that that was nice. <laughs> I think. Well, I think part of it was, I, I would assume at that point you. I mean, you were studying really hard. You were reading all these old books, which is very, very not common for someone that young. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Also, I will say this too, which I think is a part of my story that I've never like loved, and now I'm I love it to death. But like growing up in essentially poverty, mm-hmm. uh, I never got to get magic tricks or uh, buy. I I had Royal Road to Card Magic, Encyclopedia Magic as my only two resources uh, that were my resources other than right, library that books that you owned for uh, from eight years old to fifteen. Those were the only things that I owned in the magic world. And I read those backwards and forwards more times than I can count. And, like, I hated it. Like, growing up, I hated it. I'd see all, every new trick coming out and be like, oh, I want that. Oh, I want this. Go to the magic shop, see all the things I couldn't buy. Yeah. Um, but now I realize it made me just infinitely more creative in how I perform. Right. And thank God for that. Like, I would I would have hated to have, you know, my parents, our parents 
buy me every trick I wanted. Like, I feel like that would have inhibited me to no end. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so very blessed for that now, looking back. Uh, but yeah, so I'm on this chat room. We're talking. This guy then privately messages me and he's like, you seem like you know a lot and you know what's going on. And uh, I've got this new trick that I'm like helping someone work on or work. I don't even like, I won't lie. I don't, this guy's username was something random and I never got his real name. So, uh, so a few magicians know this trick. I might have been talking to Wayne Houchin. I might not have been. I might have been talking to a friend of his. I don't have a clue. But he explained the trick stigmata to me. And that's when I knew I was in over my head. Like, oh, <laughs> oh, this is good. Like, this is so good. And he was like, he asked me like my thoughts, if I could like add anything to it or asked me for like a trick in return to like make sure like I wasn't just some kid like trying to like steal magic. And I was, that's also when I was like, yeah, I, I got nothing for you, man. Like, I, I'm out. I like tried to explain a trick that I had seen someone else do. Uh, and again, my knowledge and like modern magic was limited. Yeah. And so he like right away just explained the trick to me before I could finish and was like, that's the trick. And I was like, yeah. And he just logged off. <laughs> I was like, he was like, right. oh, sh- I mean, I'm sure from his perspective, he's like, shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, he just gave away this insane secret that hadn't, I, I, I'm pretty sure with the timeline, I don't think Stigmata came out for like two more years. Right. Um, because I remember when it came out and I was like, I've been doing this trick for a while now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh my God. And, I think it was that day. Yeah. I did it on mom. And I did the version where uh, it was the initials appear on your arm. Yeah. And I love the beauty of people's memories not like remembering magic properly because in our mom's head, I had her write down initials of someone she loved, take that paper, burn it. I squeezed her arm and those initials appeared on her arm. Yeah. Which, as any magician hearing that can know, that's a literal impossible feat. It cannot be done. Yeah. Uh, But luckily, it was close enough to what I did that she's dead set that that's what I did to this day. And I will never correct her. And please explain her reaction because it's the best thing ever. And Uh, it'll give you a little bit of more background of our our family life growing up. (laughs) Yeah, my mom was dead set. That it was like actual devil magic. She and there was, was no convincing her it wasn't. Yeah, she was raised Southern Baptist. And so that kind of came out in our life. Like growing up, we weren't necessarily raised Southern Baptist. We were raised Christian. So not as strict, but that having that background and hearing, you know, like you, she grew up with that. And she was like, tell me that trick. Because, you know, if you don't, like that's the devil. I mean, she was freaking yeah. out. Oh, and I was so committed though to the whole like a magician never reveals a secret. Oh, yeah. I was like, I can't tell you. I won't tell you. But it's not devil magic. But I'll never tell you. Oh, it was. she was furious. Oh, my God. It was hilarious. I loved that interaction because I was just kind of. I mean, first of all, my brain melted. He does that trick. My brain literally. I just was like, I don't understand anything that's happening. And then my mom freaks out. And I'm loving the interaction because Eric's just like. I mean, because I feel like you were always just kind of like a really like quiet good kid like you never got in trouble i feel like that was like almost your first time not your first but just was so funny to me that you were like magician never reveals a secret and mom's like tell me now you know and you're like nope <laughs> yeah yeah definitely wasn't i mean i just learned it and that guy seemed really like serious about telling me which like obviously if i told my mom it's not gonna get out but like i was young at that time so i was like oh i could never tell i'll never tell anyone this uh, I will say this to this day, uh, stigmata is still in my like daily repertoire. That is 
an unbelievable trick. Wait, Especially when done right. Oh my god. It, yeah, absolutely. But, but what's hilarious though is she told you never to do it again. She was like, if you're not going to tell me, you're not allowed oh, yeah. to do it again. And didn't you like go a couple years without ever doing it? Uh, I will actually say I've never done... I have never actually done it the way I did it that day again. That's true. I know the way ever. you now that do was, it. Yeah, I've never done it that way again. Is um, it just because... Why? Is it cause, I mean, I'm sure it's not because she said that, but... It's not just because she said that. It was more so... Uh, I think I didn't do it for a while after that. Because, like, yeah, you said I was, I was the good kid. I didn't want to get in trouble. And I didn't want to get in trouble. So I kind of just didn't do it again for a long time. But then the second time and you did it, you... You, yeah, that was funny too. You gotta tell about the second because it was like literally the second time you did it. Was that school, right? Uh, oh man, I don't remember if that was the second time. That might have been like the time I got the most notoriety for it. Um, I thought it was. I thought you waited a little while, didn't do it, then the second time was at school, and then that story is equally hilarious because you got in trouble which again. Time at Inglewood. You gotta refresh my memory. You, at Inglewood? You did it at Inglewood and you got called in the principal's office for starting almost a mini riot. Uh, yeah. No, that was a... Did I do that trick? I, don't, I think it, I did another one. Okay. But I do remember that. That was a great day. Um, Quick yeah, summary was, of that one. What, what happened? You... Uh, so there is a card printed on most, box, uh, most boxes. I think it's like the Ten of Diamonds or something. Or Ten of right. Hearts. Uh, on the outside of most card boxes. But there was a special deck that had a King of Clubs printed and a Ten of Hearts printed on one on one side of the box and a Ten of Hearts printed on the other. So at Inglewood, they had already seen me like do magic before, sort of, but I was very quiet. It was my first year there. I really didn't talk to a lot of people. Um, and I saw these guys playing cards at lunch. And I sat down next to them when they finished up the round. I was like, hey, can I like, show you guys something? And I see that it's that box. And I see in my head that if they ask me to do it again, I can. And then I can destroy them a second time. Yeah. Oh, so I my take, God. So I take the cards. I do the trick. Blow their minds. Because it's their cards, their box. And they you, say, revealed, you revealed which card for... I mean, it just doesn't matter. Ten of hearts. Okay. Well, ten of hearts because I can only show that one side of the box. Because I'm at this point, I'm older. So I'm better at audience control and audience management. So I'm only allowing them to kind of see that one side of the box that has right. the ten of hearts. I take the cards out. I have them mix them up again. At this point, like, I mean, their reaction was absurd. So at this point, most of the lunchroom's kind of like gathering around me. Um, and I have them shuffle up again. And they say, do it again. So I do it again. And I go for the king of clubs this time. Put the cards in the box. They're all staring at the one side, which allows me to put the one side face down into his hand. And his brain just times out and doesn't see the king of clubs already staring him in the face. Right, right, right. I have him put his hand on top, snap, I lift his hand up. Oh my And I have him, and I just point, and he just loses his, his shit, like, hardcore. And at that point, like, a lot of people had surrounded, were losing their minds. And yes, at a school, in a lunchroom, that happening, out of nowhere, the administration was, like, dead set. There's a fight going on, and they're, like, they're freaking out, pull pulling their way in, and I'm just in the center of it. So then I got in trouble. Until I like kind of did some magic for the principal, and then it was all kosher, and I left. So I didn't get in real trouble in the end, uh, but they were not happy. They asked, yeah, they said not the lunchroom, but luckily, then one of my teachers, uh, I'll never forget him, Mr. Pew, uh, that guy was oh my, dope. I see, I didn't he know that. Okay, I just learned something new. Doing magic. So I, that's so funny because I, yeah. I totally misremember that story. I thought it was stigmata, but it was that trick, and then I didn't know you, you did magic at the end of someone's class. Every like that's incredible. 
Yeah. Like that was probably so good for you to just to like get your chops for just, performing. Just flight time. Yeah. <laughs> constantly, constantly performing. And that and like at that point I kind of set a standard that like I had to perform like all the time and I was like, "Oh boy." Like so it really caused me to one like not do school and only focus on magic cuz that's what I was known for. And so yeah, just studied even harder then. Yeah, and then so, so let's let's yeah. stick with your magic career. So you're doing that in high school. Like continue talking about how it develops cuz I know at some point it, I mean, first of all, it took you a while to develop, I mean, to discover the magic community, but first you found someone to teach you. Can you talk about that? Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I forget about this so often for good reason. Um, good Lord. Yeah. Daryl fucking Mac. <laughs> what a guy. Yeah, man. Uh, so so uh, he was performing a uh, restaurant performance at the Ale House. Um, and my dad went there once and saw him perform. I think I'm 15 um at this time so this is before the card in the box trick yeah so we're backing up a bit uh and so dad saw him perform there and was like i gotta take eric he's here friday nights eric and i will go we go he performs and he's i mean like he did his five minute set uh and so it was it was flawless like it was a flawless five minute set that he's done a million times so in my head i have this small window of time of him being an incredible impeccable magician and uh which i'm not discrediting anyone if anyone has a five minute set that is flawless that i mean you are a magician that's great that's awesome but i was younger and my head expanded even further i'm like he's got to be great at everything um and so he convinced dad to like pay for classes for me and i don't remember how long they lasted but like I, i will say this i got use out of him at the beginning uh, he taught me stuff that mm-hmm. no one had taught me before. Uh, he taught me like uh, card manipulation. Um, okay. Not in the sense of like what these kids are doing now, like the card artistry, but more like proper palming, proper back palming, how to like transition from back to front palm. Stuff that I frankly don't do and really have no intentions on ever being a card manipulator. But it's knowledge and it's knowledge I didn't have, so I liked it. Um, and then I like wanted to get into more what i was into though after we had just done so much like manipulation stuff and i wanted to like teach me matrixes because i was really interested in coin matrixes uh with and without cards Uh, those were getting really popular at the time and he like had one basic one that he like sort of taught me but i already knew the method because it was in um mark wilson's uh, book so that didn't really do much but he was able to like kind of workshop it with me so that was nice then i remember distinctly like not much was happening with the classes. Okay. And I remember very distinctly one time. Actually, he did gift me my first ever delights and taught me some routines with that. Uh, and that was awesome. It was really nice of him. But I remember one time I watched a routine called Big Deal by Josh J. Super great routine. Old at this point, but like okay. phenomenal routine. And I uh, didn't have the money to buy it. And so everything... And my head was just like, how can I reconstruct these tricks? And so I reconstructed that trick until I had a method that worked for me. And I showed him that. And I fooled him. And then I was teaching him that trick while paying him money for me to teach him that trick. And that was the moment I 
think I might have been 16 at this point because it went for a while. And that was the moment where I was like, oh, I'm done here. Like, I, and it wasn't even really like my money. I just felt bad for like, because I think mom was sort of like chipping in as well. And I was like, why are we paying for this? Okay, so, okay, so you did the classes. That's around 16. Talk about getting into the magic community, how that started for you. Because you were so like, you didn't even know it existed for a long time. Oh, yeah. I had no idea. Uh, I think I was, this, so that, luckily it was really good timing. That was right after I had stopped getting trained by Daryl Mack and we had moved to, uh, or not we had moved, I then got to move to the IBM uh, ring, our local IBM ring that brought in lectures. How did I you found out about, find it? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. How did you find out? Yeah. Another thing, uh, really got to give props to dad on this. He would hunt out anything that had the word magic in it in Jacksonville and take me. Wow. And we had a, the Riverside Arts Market, um, and they had a day of magic where they got every magician in Jacksonville. And that's wow. where I met Zach Key, Xander Miles. I met Simone there um, and some other guys there uh, that I don't honestly remember the name. Oh, John Nolan was there. That guy, I, I'm still friends with John to this day. Um, and uh, uh, then that's Simone was the secretary of IBM Ring 130. And Simone was like, hey, you, you seem so interested in this. Uh, you should come check out this lecture. And I was like, I like in my head right away into like school. And I was like, lecture, like, I don't, I'm like, I'll do it, but I don't, I don't really want to. She's like, yeah, it's Jay Sankey coming to lecture. And that's when I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, so Sankey was the first lecture I ever saw, which I mean, he really set the standard of what a lecture should be. That guy is nonstop entertainment, performance, dude did a million tricks, taught all million of them. Uh, I mean, if you know any of Sankey's work, the guy's got more ideas than anyone on the planet. Um, so that that was my introduction to the Magic Club, and I was I've been a part of it for yeah a decade now. Yeah. So so you yeah you did the club. Um, it, what kind of came first? Uh, did you go to your first Magic convention? Was it a convention first, or did you meet Greg Wilson and start the poker test first? Which how like I don't remember the timeline very well. So tell me about that. Like the, those um, things are happening. I don't, kind of... I hadn't done a convention yet. Okay. I never, I never did my own a convention on my own until, uh, I think magic live. Honestly, I had done conventions, but I worked with Daytona magic then. And so I okay, only so, ever worked them. Right. So then, well then, okay. But, so you knew about it. Uh, when did, okay. Actually, when did you start? How old were you when you started working for Daytona magic? You were 18. No, yeah. So right out of high school. Right out of high school. Cause and props to you, Chelsea. You were the only person in the family who said, if you don't want to go to college, do not go to college. Yeah. If you don't think it's for you, you will waste your time. And that is when I saw the Help Wanted sign at Daytona Magic was like the same week we had that conversation. So I was like, oh, I'm not going to college. I'm going to go work here. It was 80 minutes of a drive yeah. that I commuted to every day. So but crazy you did that. I mean, it's... It was, uh, yeah. Yeah, it was so worth it. Like... I did, I think, two and a half years there. Uh, I, again, will say this, uh, working for Harry Allen's like the hardest thing on the planet. Um, if anyone knows him, they, I'm sure it's very understandable, that sentence. But, uh, but I will also say this, working with Harry Allen is one of the most educational things on the planet. Right. Uh, he is one of the best performers I've ever seen. And he can turn on and perform and, and entertain like no one's business and then when he's done performing he just turns off 
And it's like crazy to me. And I like learned so much just by working side by side with him for years. Uh, and then every day in the shop, I was performing daily. Uh, and that just forces you to be confident. Like mm-hmm. there was, I did the dumbest tricks that you had to demo, but got so absurdly confident in my performances that I will never regret a second of working for Daytona Magic. Like it benefited me incredibly. And I was just immersed in magic, you know, five days a week. And then obviously on my days off, I did it as well. So, yeah. And you, I mean, and he was taking you to conventions with him and, and yeah, yeah. So he started flying me to conventions, uh, to sell with him, uh, which was so fun because again, I somehow like no one at the IBM ring would talk about conventions, Mm -hmm. talk about going to conventions. So my brain still thought that was where the magic world ended was the IBM ring. Right. The local ring. I'm like 18 at this time. And so I'm 18. And for some reason, I've never even like looked this up. I never even had heard of convention. I never heard of comic con at this time. Like that was such a, I don't know. I just was sheltered. I guess didn't know it was a thing that people did. Well, the internet so wasn't super prolific at that point either. You couldn't just Google something either. I mean, like I think oh, at eight at eighteen it was. Was it? Could you at eighteen? Yeah. Could you just? All right. Well. Google stuff, of course. Really? All right. I've yeah, got. I had a I I had an Android smartphone oh, when I was eighteen. Shit, you're... Okay. See, I get years old. I just never did Google that stuff. Uh, I think too, because like so much of my information had been coming from books that. I kind of just stayed that way in the end. Like I never was doing much, but like researching books and stuff like that and not like expanding further, uh, right. which is again, foolish on my part. But the first convention I went to was Cadabra in uh, Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And it is a full-blown kids magic conference. And like, I should have gotten nothing out of it. But it was just the idea of being surrounded by magicians, even though they were magicians, I had nothing in common like with. It was just insane to me. And that's then when my eyes opened, and I was like, "Oh, this exists for other people." I bet. And yeah, then it was uh, the the next one after that was IMX, I think, in Vegas, which then was like a huge change because it was then like ten times bigger and it was right. all like close up magic, and I was like, "This is absurd." Uh, no, that IMX wasn't later. IMX is actually one of the last ones I did. Never mind. Nah, my timeline's all screwed up with Daytona. Um, but but yeah, so I think I had done Cadabra by the time I met Greg Wilson as well. Um, because I assume you're getting into the poker test is where this is headed. Yeah, let's talk about that, which is also like a great story. It's really incredible how all that played out. Tune in next week to hear the second half of Eric's podcast and hear the rest about his life and how Poker Test was formed. Thanks, everyone, for listening to The Slighted Show. Music was brought to you by Luca Sommerfeld, a longtime listener. Thank you again, Luca, for your contribution to the podcast. That's all, folks. We'll see you next week.